Let's give him a hand. God bless your heart. Thanks. Thanks so much. Andy, God bless your heart. Okay, thank you. Bless you. God bless your heart. Thanks. Delighted to be here. Been looking forward to being uh, in Sheffield and with Andy and Heidi and uh, you guys. I know what God wants to do. He wants to call us closer to Him. Can you imagine He wants to hang out with us for eternity? I can get sick of people in three or four days. And He wants to hang out with us for all eternity. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? It, I, uh, I very seldom ever take new conferences because every day, honest to God, we get stacks of invitations to come somewhere in the world. And so uh, uh, we're very, very, very busy like everybody else. But anyway, uh, this this past this year, I got a call from a brother uh, that I'd never met. And he says, well, the Lord said you're coming to Cleveland. I said, uh, who said I'm coming to Cleveland? He said, the Lord. I said, well, the Lord hadn't told me I'm coming to Cleveland. And he said, well, he told me. He said, uh, yeah, and said, we're setting up a conference for you. And I said, now, sir, I don't take new conferences because, you know, uh, I'm really, really busy. And, and I like to go back to the places that I've been so you can build uh, a foundation and stuff. And so... So as finally, the guy was just very persistent. So I said to him, okay, what's the name of your conference? And here's the name of his conference. you got to be kidding me. I thought, I'm coming. In, anybody that would name their conference, you got to be kidding me. That's the kind of place I need to go. Because, And what, what he would do, we would take some of the verses in the Bible where it says, like uh, John 14, 12, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believes upon me in the works that I do, shall he do also, and greater works than this. you got to be kidding me. You know, do you, Jesus says what he means and means what he says. And I was shocked at how many verses in the Bible seem to be one of those, you got to be kidding me. You believe when God does something marvelous, it almost seems too good to be true. Uh, in Psalms 126, verse 1, it says, When the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, then were we like those that dreamed. Then was our mouth filled with laughter and our tongue with singing. Then said they among the heathen, The Lord has done good things for them. See, God wants to do good things that will delight you and thrill you and shock you and surprise you. Every day for 19, every day of atonement, every day of atonement for 19 years, I've had a visitation from Jesus Christ. He tell me some of the things that's going to happen in the future. And I write the book called The Shepherd's Rod. And so uh, th- we just had the past day of atonement. Um, and so here's one thing he told me. He said, you better tell my people, that's us. You want, you want to hear what he told me? He said, you better tell my people that they need to get prepared to be surprised. There, there's this kind of a, a lackadaisical kind of a yawn in the body of Christ. That's about to be over with. God is sick and tired of this, this familiarity. Now, there's a great difference between familiar, familiarity and intimacy. And so we're way too familiar with a God we barely know. Way too familiar with a God we ba- barely do know. But here's what's going to happen. He's going to introduce himself to us in a new dimension a deeper, higher, fuller, uh, more complete dimension than we've ever known before. You go, well, uh, I certainly know God. Well, John the Revelator knew him too. But did he get introduced to him in a new dimension on the Isle of Patmos? Woo, that's what I'm talking about. He's about to meet us like that. I don't care what level you're on, there's one higher than where you are. Wherever I am, there's a level higher than where I am. Listen, get ready to be carried closer to God. Closer. There's a verse, if it wasn't in the Bible, I'd never believe it. Zechariah 3, 7. 
It says that if we will honor God, love God, serve God, he will give us open access to his presence. The very same thing Adam had before he fell. Before Adam fell, he had open access to the presence of God. It said the voice of the Lord God would come walking in the cool of the day. He had unbroken, unbridled fellowship with the Lord. Oh, man, somebody's going to get all that back, aren't they? Say yes. Ask three questions all over the earth. If not now, when? If not here, where? If not you, who? Somebody's going to get it back. I think you and I need to volunteer and say, God, it's us. Yeah. Well, Carolyn, we're glad you're here. Stand up and greet the folks. Carolyn says, I don't want to say anything. Oh, it's good to be here. Thank you all for coming. Yeah. We love England, don't we? We do. Tell them about my, your my tours first, you took of London. My, my first trip um, to fly was um, to come to England in 1979. All right. Loved it ever since. Oh, love man. England. Good. Bless you well, all. Thank you all for having us. Good. I'll tell you what happened to us. We were, we were I think we'd been in Russia maybe, and we came through and uh, stopped off a couple of days in London. Is that correct? Um, yeah, I think so. But anyway, uh, that's where... Uh, I went on one of those big double-deck bus tours, you know, and uh, I got off, went back to the hotel, went to bed. She rode it three or four more times. <laughs> she could give her own tour of London now, you know. So, but, yeah, that was funny. So I didn't know you had to buy tickets in advance to go see those theater th things or whatever you call it. Uh, uh, and so uh, she said, let's go see a theater. And I thought, let's go to bed, you know what I mean, but... uh. So we almost went to see or Orphan Annie or somebody, but thank God you had to buy the tickets in advance, and I didn't know that. So we were ticketless, so that kept me out of that thing. But anyway, so very excited about being in the kingdom. You know, uh, Andy was talking a while ago that you're handpicked by God. Now, do you believe that this is the most crucial time in human history? I think it's the most crucial time in human history. I don't believe there's been a global vacuum like we're seeing worldwide like, like ever before. This is the time we can arise and shine. It really is our time. It's going to be the best time in the history for the church. But here, here's the deal. I got to thinking, God, these are the most crucial days in human history. You could have allowed anybody to live. Anybody. Some of those great guys in Hebrews 11, that wonderful hall of faith there. Any of those guys and gals could have lived, but he chose us to live during these days. So, so I, I, I was, what are you thinking? That's what I was wondering. Why did he choose us? And so I, then I got to think, well, he chose us because he's got confidence in us. So I was kind of strutting around, God, you've got confidence. Josh, he's got confidence in us. Man, God let us live in these most crucial times. Then he spoke to me. He said, yep, I finally found me a people weak enough to work in. <laughs> now, not weak in character, not weak in uh, ethics, not weak in morality, but weak in our own ability. We've embraced John 15, 5. Without him, we can do Oh, the first time I ever read that, I got mad. Without me, you can do nothing. I thought, how dogmatic. How could he say without him we do nothing? Then I mellowed out. I thought, you know, perhaps I don't understand the meaning nothing. So I got out some Greek books, and I started researching the word they wrote for nothing. Guess what it means? It means a big fat zero with a vacuum sucked in it. It means less than nothing. That's our life without him controlling it. It's less than nothing. Now, here's a good verse for you. Now, uh, it, it says that uh, Ezekiel 44, 23. 
Ezekiel 44, 23, it says one of the roles, one of the responsibilities of a Zadok priest is to teach the people of God the vast difference between the profane and the holy, the worthwhile and the worthless. So one of the, one of the jobs that we need to uh, uh, really uh, uh, move into is teaching the people of God the vast difference between the profane and the holy, worthwhile and the worthless. So. I thought, well, if I'm supposed to teach God's people the difference between the profane and the holy, I need to study the word profane. What in the world did he mean? Ezekiel 44, 23, the vile, the profane, and the precious. So I said, okay, Lord, I'm going to study this word profane. So I got out all the Hebrew books, and I started studying. I found out what it means, profane, there in Ezekiel 44, 23. It means empty, worthless, no eternal value. I'll show you another verse about it. You remember when Solomon said, vanity, vanity, all is vanity. Remember that? I'll show, you, I'll show you. These two words are almost Siamese twins. You can't hardly separate the two. Here it is. When, when Solomon said, vanity, vanity, uh, take your hand like this. Grab, now open your hand. What you got? That's the word for vanity, attempting to catch the wind. Solomon said, I got rich, got everything, got everything they said would make me happy, and I came up empty-handed. And so that's the word for profane. That's the word for vanity. Uh, empty, worthless, no eternal value. So I thought, okay, I better tell the people of God if they're not giving their life totally to Jesus, whatever they accomplish uh, is empty, worthless. And then Jesus appeared just like that, about where that uh, microphone stand is. He said, do you know my definition of profane? Instantly I knew I didn't. You know what I mean? So I said to him, apparently not. I knew what the Hebrew book said, empty, worthless, no eternal value. You know what Jesus told me his definition of profane is? Do you want to know? Anything man is doing that God did not initiate. He said it's empty, worthless, no eternal value. See, most of our life we're spending wasting our time when we need to be redeeming our time. Isn't it Ephesians 5? Ephesians 5, 14 says it's time to wake up. It's time to shape up. And it's time to... Start living a life that's beneficial for the kingdom of God. It says walking, conducting ourselves with true goal, aim, and purpose. We shouldn't walk witless, it says. We should walk wise. So I want us to learn how to redeem the time. In one translation, says snatch up every opportunity. Buy up every moment. Don't you want to maximize the moment? Let me tell you about God. God does have confidence in us because he chose us. Here's what he did the choosing. He chose you before you were you. He chose you in eternity past. That's right. He chose us in eternity past to live in the present, to forge the future. Now, here's what it says. Psalms 139, verse 16 and 17. It says, all of our days, every single one of them, are written in his book before we've ever lived a single one of them. Wow. What I suspect we need to do is a synchronization between what he wrote and what we walk. Don't you think that'd be good? That's what Jesus did. I only do what I see my father doing. I only say what I hear my father saying. Synchronization. We need that, don't we? I want my life to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. Here's your great verse. You ready? Say it. Nehemiah 9.20. Nehemiah 9.20. Here's what it says. He gave his good spirit to instruct us. And withheld not his manna from our mouth. He gave his good spirit to instruct us. So I was a little, I was really, really fascinated with the word instruct. He gave his good spirit to instruct us. It's a broad word. 
it's a word that paints a big, big swap. Here's what it says. Have you ever watched a little a mother teach a little toddler how to walk? The little toddler, you know, and, and, and that's part of the word. He gives his good spirit to instruct us like a mother teaching a little child, but also like a, a military general teaches the people how to marshal. And, and you see that? How broad it is from a little toddler to all the way to trained warriors. And I like that. The Holy Spirit will guide us in every phase of our life. That's what it's talking about. Now, I like that. It says, and withheld not his manna from our mouth. Now, anytime I think of manna, I think of Revelations 2, 17. Say it. Revelations 2, 17. It says, to him that overcomes, I will grant to eat the hidden manna. Whoa, I'm already intrigued. You believe God will hide things from us for us? Proverbs 25, 2. says, it's the glory of God to conceal a matter. Honor of kings to search it out. See, if every pebble in the parking lot was a diamond, diamonds would be worthless. You have to search for truth, don't you? He'll hide real treasure from us to see if we'll seek for it. Remember the Song of Solomon? One time Jesus came to me and said, I want you to read Song of Solomon. How do you, I said to him, I don't get nothing out of that book. Hey! That's pretty stupid, isn't it? For Jesus to ask you to study a portion of his holy word, and you say to him, I don't get nothing out of that book. Guess what he said to me? It's going to stun you. It sure stunned me. His next statement was absolutely shocking. See, I said to him, I don't get nothing out of that book. And he said to me, you don't, nothing about, you don't know nothing about kissing, do you, boy? That's exactly what he said. So help me, God. And I said, well, apparently not. Do what? Well, I, that's what I'm talking about. There and David Roos was singing the song. That's one of his songs. Oh, yeah. Yeah, David Roos wrote a song about letting him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. But anyway, that's what the Lord told me. He said, you don't know nothing about mouth kissing, do you, boy? And I said, apparently not. So he taught me three things about mouth kissing that's pretty nice. You want to hear about them? Here's what he said. This is the absolute truth. Now, I, I wouldn't fly all the way across the Atlantic to lie to you. Hey! You know. So here's what he said. He said, tell him to mouth kiss, number one, you have to be real close. To mouth kiss, you have to be face-to-face. To mouth kiss, it's the most stimulating preparatory act before intimacy. So let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth because his mouth is altogether lovely. God wants to put his lips on us. You believe that? He wants to seal us with a holy kiss. Judas betrayed with a kiss. God wants to seal us with a holy kiss. If you know anything about end time, you know there's a fake anointing that wants to put their lips on you. Book of Proverbs says there's a strange woman. She sits on the street corner at twilight and says to the young champions, see, that's the fake anointing. Somebody during these days will put their lips on you. The strange woman of Proverbs or the living Lord Jesus. I want him, don't you? I want to draw near to him. So we're talking about this hidden manna. It says, to him that overcomes, I will grant to eat the hidden manna. He hides things from us for us so we won't contaminate them and destroy them before their time. It's really true. So what has what he, he got hidden for us? Here's one thing. You, you want to read a verse? Yes, Bobby, let's read it. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 6, Paul says, I had some wisdom that had been hidden, reserved, wisdom that could not and would not be released until I found me a people who were mature enough to be right, in understanding. 
He said, then I'm going to read it. I'll read it for you, okay? Let, let's do that. that. Take your Bible, please, and turn with me to 1 Corinthians. Okay. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And I'll, I'll just begin with verse uh, 6 here because uh, everybody wants to know, well, you're a prophet. Tell us the times we're in, brother. We're in perilous times. That's what kind of times we're in. You believe that? Yeah. Okay. I really, uh, I'll tell you what time we're in. We're in an appointed time. We're in a time that's under the control of our God. He rules and reigns. The hearts of the heathens are in his hands. But anyway, but I want to just show you something. How vital it is for you and I to grow up to a place of maturity so God can give us family business. Here it is. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, beginning with verse 6. Yet when we are among the full-grown, spiritually mature Christians who are ripe in understanding, we do impart a higher wisdom, the knowledge of the divine plan previously hidden. But it is indeed not a wisdom of this present age or of the rulers of this of present age. It says they're going to come to nothing. But verse 7, I'll tell you what, what look what he says. But rather, what we are setting forth is a wisdom of God once hidden from human understanding and now revealed to us by God, that wisdom which God devised and decreed before the ages for our glorification to lift us up into the glory of His presence. Now, here's what I'm here to tell you about. The next great coming move of God on planet Earth to the people of God is this is what I'm fixing to announce to you. You ready? We've been seeking for two decades His power. That's wonderful. But there's something much better than His power. Here's what He's going to do. The next great move of God coming to planet Earth is His presence. His presence is where we get anointed with His authority. It says about the early disciples, they looked at them and understood and comprehended and grasped that they were ignorant and untrained men. But they took notice of them. They had been with Jesus. That's what we need. We need His presence. Now here's what will happen when we get in His presence. He will anoint us with His authority. Authority supersedes power. Authority is better than power. Here it is. Luke 10, 19. That's in the red part of the Bible. Like them bongos. What's your name? Larry. Larry, God bless your heart. I like bongos. I, you know, can't play a radio, but I like music. Yeah, don't you like music? It's nice, isn't it? Aren't you glad to be here? Yeah. Now, God knew you were going to be sitting in that chair before he ever created the world. You're not here by accident. God divinely appointed us all to be here tonight. That's what the Bible says. It says the steps of a righteous man are directed by the Lord. Here's a benefit you're going to get by being in the service. You ready? Here's what he said. He said, go where I tell you to go. Do what I tell you to do when you get there. I'll give the people, whether they want it or not, an impartation from Hebrews 13, 20 and 21. I said, God, wait just a minute. How can I promise them they're going to get an impartation whether they want it or not? Here's what he said. He said, you can get around somebody that's infectious and you can be contaminated. So you're going to get an impartation or you, you shouldn't have stayed in this service. 
you're going to get an impartation of Hebrews 13, 20, and 21. I don't know about you, but if, if I didn't know what that said, I'd be tearing into the book going, my God, what's that? Here's what Hebrews 13, 20, and 21 says. Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead the Lord Jesus Christ, that great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the everlasting, never-failing covenant, make you perfect. Give you everything you need to accomplish the task you're sent to do. Say, I want it. Make you perfect. Give you everything you need to accomplish the task. My God, that's what we want. That's what the church is about, Ephesians 4.11. Training the saints for the work of the ministry. Equipping you with everything you need. Make you perfect. So I looked up the word make you perfect. Means Perfect means missing no component. Everything you need, you have. Here's a verse in the Bible I'd never believe if it wasn't there. It's Colossians 2.9. It says the fullness of deity dwells in Jesus Christ bodily. And it just simply says everything God is is in Jesus. You believe that? Colossians, say it, Colossians 2.9. Everything God is is in Christ. Now the thing that boggles my mind is verse 10. 2, Corinthians, 2, uh, uh, 2 Colossians 10. What, is the, what does it say? It says, and all that Christ is, is in you. Everything God is, is in Christ. And then he says, everything Christ is, is in you. See, we're trying to figure out, who the heck are we? God's people seems to be some of the most schizophrenic I've ever seen. They don't know who they are. There's a verse, in, well, there's a lot of verses in the Bible. But... 1 Corinthians 1.26. It says, Brethren, that's all of us, you see your calling. Well, I've been in this thing long enough to realize most Christians don't see their calling. Andy talked about it earlier. You've got a high calling. You've got a holy calling. Every, let's just get real. Can we get really real? Yes. yes. Every human being on earth has a divine call. They're called to salvation. God would have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of Christ. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So there's a universal call calling every human being that's ever lived to spend eternity with God in heaven. He says, you're inexcusable, old man. We have a witness within and a witness without. Witness within, Holy Ghost. Witness without is the creation. Well, you better watch creation right now. Creation knows more about timing than the saints of God. The whole creation. I'm screaming. <laughs> Romans 8, 19 says the whole creation is groaning and travailing, wanting us to step into true identity. Sons and daughters, manifested sons and daughters of God. This, this being able to reach spiritual maturity where he can turn over to us family business. What is family business? It's sonship. As my father has sent me, even so now I'm sending you. You know, oh man. It's almost unbelievable the authority that God wants to give to us. Luke 10, 19. Luke 10, 19, he says, behold. Now what in the world does that mean? It's the strongest word in human language for focus. Behold. It means drop everything. Erase everything. Out of your mind, focus totally every ounce of concentration. Behold, I give you 
power to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and it'll in no wise harm you. But that, that verse right there is absolutely pregnant with promise. It says, here's what he literally says, Luke 10, 19. Focus on this above everything else. Concentrate on this. I give you authority to negate the devil's ability. That's the, that's the words he used. It, we translated power, but he says, I give you authority to negate the devil's ability. What ability does the devil have? John 10, 10. The thief comes but for to kill, steal, mutilate, maim, and destroy. Now, who has power to stop that? Say, I do. I do. Say it. I do. Where's that found? Matthew 18, 18. Whatever you'll bind on earth will have been bound for you in heaven. Whatever you permit on earth will be permitted for you in heaven. The Bible says the heavens of heavens belong to God, but this earth he's given into the hands of men. Only time he ever said in the book of Genesis it's very good is when he created man and gave him dominion. Has God vacillated in his plan? No, not one iota. I've woke up the baby. Huh? You sure are pretty. Tim, don't mess with me right now. Like that hair. Pretty. Little babies, aren't they something? Huh? I suspect you and I may have to digress in order to advance. Remember he said, except you become as a little child, you can't see or enter the kingdom. The Lord told me, he said, the most profound thing you can do is maintain simplicity. Quickest way to spot religion is they make complicated what God makes simple. This the wonderful, wonderful verse in the Bible says, The way of salvation is so simple that a wayfaring fool need not ear therein. That's the King James slant. The way of salvation is so simple that a wayfaring fool need not ear therein. I said, God, give me that in Texican. I speak Texican. It's going to shock you. God speaks just like me. I had to go. I went to London and had to have an interpreter. That's the honest to God truth. I went to London, England, had to have an interpreter. They have to interpret me into English so they can interpret me into whatever language they're trying to. That's the honest truth. But I want to talk to you a little bit about this thing about God wanting to give us authority. and God longing to get us to a place where we realize that as He is, so are we in this present world. As my Father has sent me, even so now I'm sending you. Let's just kind of break it down. You ready? It says, God gave Jesus a body to make invisible God known. Colossians 1, 15. Say it, Colossians 1, 15. It says, it says, He's the express image of the invisible God. Now help me. What does invisible mean? Can't see it. Can't see it! That's right. Colossians 1, 15. Christ is the express image of the invisible God. So, Jesus came to me once. He said, Bobby, the whole sum of my earthly ministry is summed up in John 17, 6. I thought, now that's strange. I've read John 17, 6 numerous times. How could he say the whole sum of his earthly ministry is capsule in that one verse? And so, uh, here it is. Father God named himself covenant reverential name. Jehovah, Rapha, the Lord of healer. Jehovah, Shalom, the God of our peace. Jehovah, Sitkanu, the God that sanctifies. Okay, now, who's the healer? Jesus! Who's the sanctifier? Jesus! Who's the prince of peace? Jesus! 
So Father God named him these covenant reverential names, and here comes Jesus, and he gives flesh, form, and function to invisible God. That's why I said, if you've seen me, you've I and the Father are one. Okay, now wait, just let's let's stay with this a minute. Gave him a, gave him a body to make the invisible God known. He was born in a manger, lived a perfect, sinless life. Thirty-three years old, he put a, was a crown of thorns, ripped his beard out, spit upon a, his face, nailed him to a tree. He suffered, bled. They stuck a spear in his side. He gives up the ghost. They take his body down, wrap it in grave linen, put him in a tomb. Three days, he resurrects. Everybody's excited that he's resurrected. He walks and talks with the people for 40 days. Then he carries himself out to the Mount of Olives, and he's chatting with the disciples. And as they're chatting together, he goes up, up, and away. Remember? You men of Galilee, why stand here gazing this same Jesus? Remember? So wait just a minute. He took that body that God gave him to make an invisible God known, put it on a tree, put it in a grave, resurrected, carried it back up, sat down at the right hand of God. Has God left himself without a witness? Contrary, who are we? The body of who? Hey, there we go. That's the same mission he's on. As my father sent me, even so I'm sending you. We're to make an invisible God known to a Christ-rejecting world. We are the city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. Now, I'm loud. And I talk fast. People go, why do you talk so fast? I used to buy television time, and I'm cheap. You know? You understand that? But since Andy's paying for this, I'll slow down. It's kind of... But we need to know more about our identity. You believe that? Here's a great verse that tells you who you are. You believe God is searching for somebody to give the kingdom to? 2 Chronicles 16.9. You know this verse, don't you? 2 Chronicles 16.9. It says, The eyes of the Lord are roving to and fro throughout the whole earth looking for a people who have no agenda but His. Who have no plans but His. It says when He finds them, He'll fully support all they put their hands to do. Here's what I suspect. I suspect we ought to volunteer. We ought to do Psalms 110 verse 3. Hey God! Psalms 110 verse 3 says, In the day of His power, that's now His troops, that's us, we'll volunteer freely. We ought to go, Hey God! Don't strain your eyes. Right here in Sheffield. Right here. If you're looking for a people, that's what... See, that's what we got to do. It says we'll volunteer freely. He's looking for somebody. I want Him to pick us, don't you? I want us to step out of the shadows... I'll tell you what we are. Believe it or not, we're right. We're like Ruth was when she came into Boaz's field. Remember, she was restricted to gleaning in the corner of the field because she was a stranger in Israel. But then the owner of the vineyard, the owner of the field, drives up and says, "Whoa, who that girl over there?" He said, "You get her out of the corner of the field and bring her to the center of the field and lay out for her handfuls of purpose. She's you." See, you've been living all your life, all my life, in the land of leftovers. Past anointings, just what somebody left on the side for us. Now, I appreciate that, but I'm telling you, Boaz. Boaz is Jesus. Swift. His name means a swift, sure, steadfast one. You ought to read the book of Ruth. I spent nine months going up and down the land preaching the book of Ruth. I'm 1,000% sure it's a prophetic message to the body of Christ. Whole theme of Ruth is he brought her out to bring her in. Where'd she come from? She came from Moab. Nobody in their right mind would live in Moab. Moab came from where? 
one night drunken incestuous sex act between Lot and his oldest daughter. Yuck! Got her daddy drunk, went to bed with him, had sex with her own father. Next morning she wakes up and there's a seed in her belly. Nine months later, she pushes that seed out and says, Moab of his father. That's what Moab means in a very incestuous way. Moab stands for the land of loose living. But Naomi goes down from Bethlehem of Judea, house of praise, place of rest and bread, down to Moab, and she comes out of Moab with who? Ruth, the Moabites. Wow. You ought to, you'll study it, won't you? Yeah, good. What's your name? What? Corrine? Corrine? Good now. I'm from Texas. We throw in syllables. We'll just throw them in whether you need them or not. Just kind of don't let them lay there. Just throw one in, you know. All right. Uh, can you cook? Yes. What kind of cook are you? Cake! You got me any of your purse or anything? What kind of cake would you cook if I were to ask for a cake? Lemon. <laughs> lemon? Lemon cake? Lemon what? Oh, I'm already. That's that kind of. It's sweet and tart. That's kind of like us. Lemon. Wouldn't that be good with coffee? Hey, the first time we ever came to England... Years ago, we go to England. I don't know what city it was, but they put us in a castle. You could lay in the bed and blow smoke. It was so cold. <laughs> Honest to God, this is a truth. Come forth. Yes, that's where we was at. Torture. I know. I wasn't going to tell them all that. But anyway. So we're in, we're in this. So we flew over here, and we got here, you know, I don't know. It was middle of the day or something. And so we get to the place, and the lady's very cordial. The, the, ladies that, that, the lady that's welcoming us. Now, we're from Texas. We're just rednecks. And so she goes, I saw I saw I saw Would you like some tea? I said, No, ma'am. I wouldn't care for any tea. You know? And she said, Are you quite sure? And I said, Yeah, I'm sure. I don't want no tea. So she, she, we visit on a little while longer, and she says, I saw you. Are you quite sure? I said, no, ma'am, I, I wouldn't care for any tea. And so in, I put her off two or three times on the request for tea, and she says, if you don't mind, we'll, we'll have some tea. I said, go ahead. My God, she brought out sandwiches and cheese. I said, I'm having that. Listen, you've got to tell a guy from Texas when you're going to eat. I thought we was just drinking tea. It was cookies and cheese and lemon cake. Remember that? It was a spread, man. Listen, look like that. Now, I like that, didn't you? That was funny. I really, really have a, we've always loved England. But really, really, truly. So I was over here. One time the Lord said, I want you to, I was going to England. He said, one thing I want you to do when you get to England is be sure you can get a watch. I said, I will. Yeah, I've got a watch. And he said, no, I want you to get a watch. I said, okay, we're flying over. He said, one thing I want you to do in England, get a watch. I said, I will. 
land the plane. He said, I want you to get a watch for you. I said, I will, Lord. I'm going to get a watch. I'm in the hotel getting ready for the service that night. He said, be sure now and get a watch before you leave England. Okay, I'm going to get a watch. I'm sitting on the front row of uh, the church down there in Dudley with old Trevor Baker and those guys. And so the Lord said, uh, I want you to get a I said, I will, Lord. <laughs> so honest to God, I get up there to preach. And here's what he said. Take three steps over this way and say, one of the things I'm going to do before I leave England is I'm going to get a watch. I said, no, God, if I say that in a public meeting, they'll think I want somebody to give me a watch. He said to me, you better do what you're told. So I said, okay. So I take three little steps this way. And I said, one of the things I'm going to do before I leave England is I'm going to get a watch. Trevor starts screaming. He jumps up and he's, he said, hold it, stop the service. And he's really, really, he's really overwrought. And he says, the Lord told me if anybody in this service says anything about give, giving a, getting a watch or to stop the whole service, to give Bobby Connor this watch. So it's a nice, brightling watch. I've driven cars, didn't cost as much as this watch. But anyway, so I, I thought, okay, so I'll go, okay. So I got my watch. So I go back to the hotel. And the Lord said, you got a watch, didn't you? I go, yeah. Then he said, do you know why? And I go, uh-uh. uh, no. He said, I have set you to be a watchman over England. That's what he said. I'm, I'm absolutely 1,000% sure. And so uh, with that comes responsibility, doesn't it? Uh, so two or three days after that, I go into a trance, and I see the queen. Can we just visit? I see the queen, and she's... She's going to get on the back of a beautiful horse, a nice-looking, shiny, red-looking horse. And she has a driver on the horse, but she's not seated correctly, and he takes off before she's ready. And so she's very unstable on the back of the horse, and it's running down this way. And then the horse makes a hard turn left and throws the queen off this way at a very rapid rate of speed. So I thought, now this is a, a trance. You'll have to figure it out. So I, I thought, oh, Lord, that was a very uh, hard fall off into the bar ditch. You know? And so I run up there to see uh, what has happened. And guess what had happened? The queen had fallen off of the back of this horse, but she had fallen in a bar ditch that was filled with water. Now, here's the deal. And it cushioned her fall. Water is the word of God. There's been enough word of God to build a buffer, a buffer. Do you understand that? So it's going to protect the political arena. When this political arena in England tries to make a hard left. You see what I'm talking about? Yeah, that's right. All right. Okay. Now, see, that'll stir stuff up. Yeah, yeah. But I'm telling you, uh, God wants to anoint England with a real, real deep move of God. And I'm telling you, he's going to do it. He's going to do it. He's just looking. And here's one of the things that's going to keep us from getting what God wants to give us is thinking we've already got it. Can I show you how God brings a new move to town? Yes, Bobby. That's, that's my Morgan Freeman voice. <laughs> yes, Bobby. This is nice. I love that logo up there. That's nice. Hey, here's how God brings a new move to town. Go with me to Isaiah 40, 48, verse 6. Isaiah 48, verse 6. And, and see, see if this uh, 
says anything to you. Isaiah 48, verse 6, reading out of the Amplified Version, it says, You have heard these things foretold. Now you see this fulfilled, and will you not bear witness to it? I have shown you specific new things from this time forth, even hidden things, kept in reserve, which you have not known. They, the hidden things, kept in reserve, which you did not know, they are created now, called into being by the prophetic word. And not long ago and before today, you have never heard of them, lest you would say, ha, I already knew that. One of the things that can keep us from ascertaining and receiving God's new thing is thinking we've already arrived. We have got to understand Joshua in the book of Joshua. It says, prepare the people because we've never been where we're going now. God has something new for us. Much deeper, much richer than we've ever seen in the past. Now, it doesn't mean we don't esteem what's happened in the past, but we need a move of God now. I love, I love studying the history. I love the ancient moves of God. And, but listen, one of my favorite verses right now is, is 2 Corinthians 5.20. 2 Corinthians 5.20 it says, Now are we ambassadors for Christ. When are we an ambassador? I love the word now. The word now, it barricades the pathway to the past. See, a lot of people are going, man, if I could have lived in Wigglesworth day. If I could have been in A.A. A. Allen's day or William Brannan's day. or No, we're, we wasn't there. We're living in this day. So I love the word now. It barricades the pathway to the past, blockades the pathway to the future, and traps us in the present. We need a move of God now. Here's what we need. Hebrews 11.1. 1. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is what? Substance of things hoped for what? Evidence of things not seen. We need substance and evidence, don't we? We can't keep talking about a God we can't prove. The early church had validation, didn't it? Mark 16, 20. They, the early church, went and preached and got vindicated and validated with signs following. I like signs and wonders, don't you? God does the sign, we do the wonder, and going, what in the world was that? Yeah. You can't figure it out. After all, hey, did you know we've been preaching 44 years, five times a week? Five times a week for 44 years. That's something. After all of that, here's what I figured out. I figured out if you can figure it out, it ain't God. If you can just wrap your mind around and go, yes, bless God. Yes. No, we can't understand it with our head. You believe that? You have to experience it with your heart. So that's one of the things he's going to do. He's going to bypass head knowledge and get us into the spirit. The natural mind, the one you and I have, receives not the things of the Spirit. It's foolishness to us. Neither can we, must be spiritually discerned. But I want to say to all of you, get ready. God is about to invade us in the best of ways, in the best of ways. Here, here's, the, here's the promise. Isaiah 64, 1. Isaiah chapter 64, verse 1. Here, there's a plea, honestly, that says, O Lord, rend the heavens and come down. He's going to answer that. He's going to rend the heavens and come down. And when he comes down, Isaiah 64, 1 and 2 says, he brings fire. And the first thing the fire does, it consumes the mountains. Mountains talk about things standing between you and the promises of God. Obstacles standing between you and God. Remember what Caleb said, I want my mountain. And he was still, but anyway, 
It says when he comes down, Isaiah 64, 1, Isaiah 64, verse 1, he brings fire. The fire will bring down the mountain. Then it says the fire will do something else. It burns up the underbrush. What is the underbrush? Have you ever taken a walk in the woods? There's underbrush, flowers and thickets and thorns. You, you, can't, you can't hack through flowers and thickets and thorns. So the fire will burn up what's been impeding our stride. You understand that? And then it says the fire does something else. Oh, it causes the water to what? Boil. Water is the word and the boiling is the spirit. You understand that? God's going to send fire. You believe it? We ought to be praying for the fire. Lemon cake. I'm going to be here tomorrow. How long is it going to take to make lemon cake? <laughs> Roughly. You know, just. Oh, see. See, it's. I can just see there's a verse in the Bible that says. Decree a thing and what you decree shall be established. <laughs> That's pushing it a little. But uh, I figured out if you whine long enough, you'll get something. You know. But th- there's a verse in the Bible. It says, make up your mind what you want. Tell God what that is, and he'll get it for you. She goes, good God, that's not it. Job 22, 28. Job 22, 28 says, you shall decide a thing. Then you decree what you've decided, and God will establish it. And the light of God's favor will shine on your pathway. That's true. Well, we're delighted to be here. A lot of, you believe in angels, don't you? Listen, sometimes, listen, sometimes they'll just show up in the building while we're preaching. Sometimes they get on the platform. Sometimes they, they can take pictures of us and we'll be glowing and fire will be on us. Yeah. I don't understand it, but I like it. I, I, I want a God that'll show up and show off. Don't you? Talking about showing up and showing off. I went to New Zealand. Me and one of the guys that travel with me, a guy named Tommy Brown. And we were in some... Uh, new sports arenas down there and so we had a pastor's conference and I was sent to New Zealand to tell him to prepare to embrace the winds of change so so we get at this brand new sports arena and so I, all the pastors are there and I said I'm here to announce to you prepare to embrace the winds of change when I said that a wind came outside started blowing the trees over like that and then it moved into the sports arena covered sports arena brand new arena Flags started flying off the walls. Things started shaking. I thought, oh, God, it's show and tell. You know what I mean? <laughs> you believe God will show and tell? Yes. I was in Edmonton, Alberta, in the Civic Center up there in Canada. And so I'm up there preaching, and they were, they were remodeling the Civic Center. And so they had walls made out of uh, boards with cloth on it like this, maybe, I guess, 14 to 16 feet tall, and I don't know, maybe 100 feet long, however long the uh, Civic Center is. And so they had that built so that uh, that you couldn't see the construction and people wouldn't be wandering around there. So I'm up there preaching, and you know how that you know how we are. And so I'm up there preaching, and I go, you know, God is sick and tired of all these walls. And I was talking about the walls of religion, the walls that are separated. But apparently he must have meant I thought those walls. This is all the truth. When I said God's sick and tired of these walls, this first one started vibrating. And it goes, boom. And the next one goes, boom, boom. I mean, it's crashing, it's thundering, dust is flying. The whole wall, everybody in there screaming. Ah! You know, see, I like a God that will show up and show off. 
He's real. He has not diminished in his power one iota. He did it then, he'll do it now. Only he'll do it bigger and better. Everything about the kingdom expands, does not decrease. What the early church had was embryo of what we ought to have a full man. So, what's the deal? We've got to push into God. He's ready. Honest to God, we're not waiting on Him. He's doing Hosea 10, 12. Sow to yourselves in righteousness, reap in mercy, for it is time to seek the Lord till He comes and rains righteousness upon us. It says it's time to plow up the uncultivated portion of our life. You believe it's time? Prophets are supposed to know the time. Ecclesiastes 3.1 said there's a time, a season, a purpose for every activity of God under heaven. We need to know the times and the seasons and the purposes and the activities of God. Daniel 11.32b, it says, but the people that know their God will display strength and take action. See, that's here. The devil doesn't want you to display strength and take action, so he's going to do everything he can to keep you from knowing God. Now, remember I told you 2 Corinthians 5.20, now are we ambassadors for Christ? What the heck is an ambassador? When Paul penned the word, he, he wrote a word that says, senior representative sent out with authority. That's who you are. That's who I am right now. A senior representative sent out with authority. Next question is what? How much authority do I have? Answer, same amount as the one that sent me. Who's, whose ambassador are we? Christ. How much authority does he have? Matthew 28, 18. All power, all authority. See, God is trying to awaken us from our slumber. Shock us and go, wow. My God, I'm here on a mission. See, a, a lot of people think, well, our ultimate goal is just to get saved and go on to heaven. See, now that's low-level living. Now, I, I, I appreciate heaven. We sang about it earlier. I appreciate heaven. I appreciate there's a mansion prepared for us in glory. But the ultimate goal of God is not just to get us from earth to heaven. If that was the ultimate goal, we'd only need two ministries, evangelist and assassin. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> yeah. I'd prefer the first one, wouldn't you? Evangelist. But do you believe that God's going to send back this, uh, this? I was in a meeting the other day, and I saw a silver-looking mantle fly through the building like that. And I said, Lord, what is that? He said, oh, I'm releasing a fresh spirit of evangelism. When I said that, nine adults jumped forward, ran front, and gave their heart to Jesus. No invitations. Nobody presenting Jesus. Just at the declaration. See, God is about to make the main thing the main thing. Winning the lost. That's true, isn't it? That's right. What do you do? Gardener. That's good. That's a wonderful thing. I, I got a tip. Don't buy brown plants. Yes. I bought a whole truckload of brown plants, didn't I? Yes. Well, you know, I found out in Texas they put the plants on sale when they're dead. <laughs> this is true. I was there at a, a, a gardening place there. 
And so, North Carolina, I'm looking at some plants. And they got some with that's kind of drooping. So, they were cheaper, and so I'm looking at the drooping ones. <laughs> so, the lady said, uh, you interested in some plants? I said, well, I could be. How much are they? She said, if you'll buy this whole thing, this whole thing, I'll sell them to you for, what was it? 25 cents or a dollar a plant. They had been, yeah, been five or six dollars. I said, yeah, I'll take them. So I paid the lady for these drooping plants. And she says something like this, you'll need to get them in, in good soil quickly. <laughs> like a lot of church members I know, hey, you know. Need to get in some good soil quickly. But there's hope for us. It says in the book of Job, there's hope for a tree. Though he be cut down and his stump is rottening in the ground, at the very scent of moisture it'll sprout. But back to those dead bushes. God pulled us out of that thing. Remember I brought in pickup loads of them bushes. Oh, don't tell them that. My wife is telling the rest of the story. She said, yes, you brought in two truckloads of bushes and then left and went on a meeting and left her to plant them. But a gardener came by and helped her. God always, God always dotes over her. Now, let me tell you what happened. We'll, we'll just be honest. Here's what happened. That good soil that lady was talking about, they sell that good soil for about eight eighty-eight a bag. Eight dollars and eighty-something cents. It's dirt! So, I said, no, I ain't paying that. She said, they need in good soil. So, Carolyn, we've got a friend that owns a dairy, you know, where you milk cows. Well, you don't do it now. You stick them. Well, so he's got a big dairy, a big fine dairy. And so cows, after you feed them real good, they just make messes. So you have to do something to mess. So this guy got real genius. So he started washing the manure off into holding tanks and then started mixing it with peat moss and selling it called Daddy Peats. And organic, very expensive so he's a good friend, and he found out Carolyn needed good soil. I'm gone. So she drives my pickup, oh, my new pickup, over to the. Yeah. Now we're talking about cow crap, cow crap, and peat moss. That's all it is. So she just she, my brand new truck. She brought, bought a tarp, laid it in there, and they just loaded it down with these machines. So I'm gone somewhere preaching. I know it is, yes, but it's just, there we go. So we have this lovely place in Moravian Falls, North Carolina. So uh, I'm, I'm coming home after a couple of three weeks or whatever it was. So I come to our gate, and I go, I thought, my God, witchcraft. <laughs> you know? Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> that was awful. Well, I got up there, and she, this guy had given her all of this stuff, and she had hired those Morningstar students, and they dug holes and planted all those trees. Dear, listen, we've got our own forest up there. <laughs> one, one guy said, uh, well, I, I planted these. He said, uh, you shouldn't have planted those there. I said, why? He said, they get 70 feet tall. <laughs> I thought, ha! Listen, they're up as this, they're as tall as that thing right there. Yeah, right by the house, you know. But anyway. But anyway, gardening, so it doesn't take me long to. But that's true. I, you know. That's right. You know, one of the things I think the church needs is to learn how to get some roofs down. See, if somebody gave me a nice pear tree, a little sapling, and I planted it here one day, and I go, hmm, it looked better over here. Then I go, mm, nah, next week, let's move it over here. Pretty soon I got a dead what? Stick! I want you to know something. Church, we need to learn how to get in a place and get planted. Get our roots down. A lot of people don't want roots down because they don't want responsibility. They won't, don't want nobody knowing how they're living. Yes. It's true. Like them cowboy boots. Yeah. Well, we got to get out here. So we're talking about being... Uh, in anointed with power and anointed with authority. If you get his authority, he'll have his power. You believe that? It's true. Now, here's what we've got to do. We've got to realize we can't approach him with contaminated hearts. In its 2 Corinthians 7, 1, 2 Corinthians 7, 1, it says, Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us purify ourselves from every bit of the contamination of the flesh and of the spirit and perfect holiness in the reverential fear of the Lord. I said, Lord, what promise will promote purity like that? He said, it's 2 Corinthians 6. The promise of being identified as the true, mature sons and daughters of God. That's what I want, don't you? Glad you're here. Here's what God's going to do. He's going to energize you and invigorate you. That's what, it, that's what he said. I don't care how old, how weary. God wants to energize you and invigorate you. Here's what he told me. He said, I got good news for the church. I said, I want it. I want it. He said, here's the good news for the church. Tell everyone that's zealously in love with the Holy Spirit, I am preparing to answer Paul's prayer in Colossians chapter 1, verses 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 through 13. Tell everybody that's zealously in love with the Holy Spirit, I'm going to answer the prayer Paul prayed in Colossians 1, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 through 13. Can I read it to you? Here we go. Where's it at now? Second. It's okay. Here at Colossians. That's where we're headed at. Colossians. Colossians. That's where we was at a while ago. Let me find it. Colossians. Here it is. Colossians chapter one, verse eight says, "And he also informed us of your burning love and zeal for the Holy Spirit. For this reason, your burning love and zeal in the Holy Spirit." For this reason, you also, from the day you heard of it, your burning zeal and love in the Holy Spirit, have not ceased to pray and to make special requests for you, asking that you might be filled with the full, deep, and clear knowledge of God's will in all spiritual wisdom and comprehensive insights into the ways and the purposes of God and understanding and discerning of spiritual things. Do you want that? Yes. I want to. I want to be filled with a full, deep, clear 
knowledge of God's will. Look at verse 10. That you may walk, live, and conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, and desiring to please Him in all things, bearing fruit in every good work, and steadily growing and increasing in and by the knowledge of God with a fuller and deeper, clearer insights and acquaintances and recognitions. Verse 11. And we pray that you may be invigorated, strengthened with all power according to the might of His glory to exercise every kind of endurance and patience and perseverance and forbearance with joy. I want to be invigorated, don't you? I don't want to go, well, I'm just too tired. Hey, God says, they that wait upon the Lord shall what? They'll mount up with wings as eagles. They'll run and not. Isaiah 40, 31. We don't have to go, no, he will invigorate you. When we're weak, then he's strong. Paul says, we've got to learn it's not our own zeal. It's got to be his anointing that does it. So that's what we've got to do. We've got to be uh, actually weak enough to let him work. One time the Lord told me, he said, if you try too hard, I won't come. Now, doesn't that sound? So we've got to learn that I want us to be energetic. I want us to express our own personalities, but... Eh, We've got to stay out of his way when he wants to do stuff. My wife and I were talking with Andy today coming in from the airport. And we were, we were off in a meeting once in, a, uh, in, in America. And uh, the Holy Ghost was wanting to really move. You know what I mean? I mean really move. Knock people up in there and knock them over. Just, and so, and you know, I thought, well, and we were trying to organize it so nobody would get hurt. You know what I mean? So we're in the process of trying to get, now you stand here and you stand right here and you stand right here, you know, where it would be a little more organized. And guess what happened? Here comes the Holy Ghost. Boom! Blew through there and knocked everybody down violently. Stacked them up like cordwood. Bodies on top of bodies. Legs sticking up. It, I thought, and then the Holy Spirit, don't you ever, he said, don't you ever try to tell me how to do my business. <laughs> hey! <laughs> Listen, guys. Either you're going to be in control or he is. I've had preachers go, oh, man, I'd be so, so careful. Just turn loose and let the Holy Spirit. Hey, wait. Turn loose and let the Holy Spirit have his way. I'll tell you what will happen. Jesus will get glory. John 16, 14, Jesus said, he, Holy Spirit, shall glorify me. Holy Ghost is on a mission and a mandate to glorify the Lamb of God. It's true. Lemon drizzle. You know, some words just hang with you. That drizzle. That's right. That's right. Okay. That's right. We've decreed it. We better decrease some other stuff here, too. Not, not about the drizzle cake. God, God wants to show you some things uh, that will break off every ancestral curse over your lineage line. God said, I want you to write a book about legacy and lineage line. We wrote, I, well, first, I started announcing it for about six years, maybe, maybe five years. I started going up and down the land and said, somebody's going to write a book about legacy and lineage line and help people break off ancestral curses and amplify the blessings of God. Nobody picked it up. Finally, my wife said, Bobby, I believe Jesus is talking to you about writing that book. So I asked him. He said, yes, yes, I am. So I started writing it, and boy, it just uh, fell in like this, and then I got really busy. I pushed it aside and pushed it aside, and July... Uh, July, not this July, but the last one, the Lord came to me and said, I intend you to finish the book and finish it now. So we canceled every meeting, got in a little uh, riding cabin down in the river, and finished Legacy and Lineage Line. 
God wants to bring a move of God to a people of God that will show them how to position themselves to break off ancestral curses. See, the devil will continue to eat at your legacy. He'll begin to eat at your lineage line, trying to devour every gift God wants to put in. We've got to learn how to bind him. Do you believe that? And so God shows you how to break off those ancestral curses, but how to amplify the blessings of God. Psalms 112, it says, every good and godly thing you've ever done for God will never be forgotten. Aren't you glad? It says, you can leave an inheritance to your children's children. And they're not talking about gold and, and pounds and, and all of that. We're talking about a good name. And so I'm telling you, listen, a businessman got one of those books, and he came to me and said, Bobby, I'd have given anything if I could have got that when I'd been younger and I could have shaped my children's lives. I said, shape your grandchildren's lives. See, there's always, you, you have a, do you believe every one of us have a gift to, to help somebody's life find the Lord? It's really the truth. And so anyway, we usually have a book signing, but I'll tell you what, we probably won't have a book signing tonight, but if you get one tonight, I'll sign it tomorrow. Is that okay? Uh, you know, is that okay? I used to never have book signings. The Lord said, I, I want you to sign books. I said, I don't sign books. He said, you do now. <laughs> so I told my wife, I said, we're going to have a book signing. She said, what? I, don't, I didn't know we had a book signing. I said, we do now. You know? And so you ought to, at the book table, it's crazy, man. God grew a guy a finger. He came by the book table. I said, what happened to you? And he had cut his finger off with a saw, and I was joking. I said, you know, God's got original parts. And he goes home to tell his wife, honey, something's wrong with my hand. She took the bandage off and got to grew my finger. Came back to the book table. I took a picture of his finger. Yeah, isn't that crazy? Here's one. Well, yeah. Here, I was off down in Texas doing a meeting. And so I was having a healing meeting, you know, where people were coming forward, getting healed. And here comes this little guy. I don't know, maybe late 80s. And he's about this tall. And he's all gnarled up. Arthritis like you can't believe his little arms and stuff like this. And he comes running up and he's loud. Here's what he says. I ain't going to get healed. I don't believe in healing. I got arthritis. I'll just keep arthritis. In a healing line. I ain't going to get healed. I don't believe in healing. So I said to him, why are you up here then? And he goes, her. I don't want to go home with a mad woman. His wife had sent him up there. So I said to him, shh, you don't have any faith. I'll operate on your wife's faith. Remember the guys that was paralyzed and they, Jesus, they brought, these four guys brought this paralyzed guy. And he says when he saw their faith, he said to him, get up and walk. So that's the principle I was doing. So I said, shh, you don't have any faith. I'll operate on your wife's faith. So I said, in the name of the Lord Jesus, Andy, it sounded like he was breaking mop sticks. And this little, little old man straightens out like this and so help me God. He falls down in front of me and starts doing push-ups. Ran behind me, started doing deep knee bends, and then started chasing me up and down in front of the church. Yeah, had no faith at all, but his wife had faith. See, God wants to heal people tonight. You believe, you know, God will show His goodness and mercy by healing people. You believe that? I, I've seen Him. I've seen Him heal people that didn't even want healed. That's true. It's really the truth. Because His goodness does what leads to repentance. I know a young man that was studying to be a Muslim cleric. And Jesus appeared to him and said, I'm Jesus, the son of God. He said, we don't believe God had a son. He said, I'm Jesus, the son of God. He said to him again, we don't believe Jesus that God had a son. He told him three times he's Jesus, the son of God. And he told him three times, we don't believe Jesus that God had a son. He said, I'll prove it to you. I'll heal you. And Jesus healed him. And he didn't even believe him. Now he does. He's preaching. 
But isn't that something? Yeah. That's good. Well, God bless you. Do you know what? God's not near through with you. Did you know that? God, God has some more things for you to do. I'm, I'm serious about that. There's still songs bubbling in you. Did you know that? He loves worship. Loves worship. There's still songs in you that resonate. And, hey, that's right. He can fill them. I can fill him, fill them. Yeah, that's good. Well, how many preachers we got in here? I hear some. Oh, the house is full of preachers. I like that. I'll tell you what. Can you believe we pastored for 26 and a half years? Good Lord. Listen. Ooh, really, that's true. But I love, I love pastoring. I love, to, I love to watch what happens. And I love, to, the, I love what God's doing with his people. He will not let us rest. You know that, don't you? Uh, listen, he won't let us slumber and sleep. You know, he's going to sound alarm. Every time I get still before him, that's what he shouts. Sound alarm! Awake the warriors. I'm loud now. Just think what I'd be with some. Yeah. Come, on, come up here. She said, why don't you get those pastors down here and pray for them? So if you want to, if you'll line up pastors and pastors' wives. Okay, call them now. Okay, come on down here. She wants me to tell a story about kissing the sword. This is all, this is all the truth. I was awakened once and I heard a, a sword going, and it's a razor-sharp sword. And so the Lord uh, has a sword in his hand, and he's got it. He, he says, kneel. So I knelt down, and I thought, well, and so he does sort of like a knighting thing with me. Then he says, arise. And he said, I want you to kiss the sword. So I'm perfectly happy to do this because he takes the sword and puts it flat against his lips. So he said, I want you to rise and kiss the sword. So I stand up to kiss the sword, and I'm pushing my lips like this, and he's got his lips on the other side of the sword, and just as my lips start to turn, he turns the sword like this. Now the razor-sharp edge is towards my lips. So I, I hesitated like that, and he said, no, continue. So I pushed my lips in there, and I felt this warm liquid start pouring out of my my mouth and it would hit my chest, fall down, splatter off of the, my feet. But it was the most euphoric, wonderful, exhilarating feeling, and it was no pain at all. And he said, "Just keep pushing till push through the sword till your lips meet mine." Boy, I can feel this warm liquid just running down my chest, splattering on the my feet. And I thought I must be horribly cut, but it was the most wonderful feeling. You could not imagine how it felt. And so I thought I'm going to look because I, I was expecting to see blood just gushing out. And I looked down and it wasn't blood at all. It was glory. He said, you'll never have your mouth filled with my glory till you're willing to put your lips against mine and the sword. Do you believe this is the sword? And so, boy, Heidi, that was, I, I wrote that was in the shepherd's rod. And I wrote the sword of the Lord and the Lord of the sword. We've got to understand our lips are worthless till they meet his. Do you believe that? So what we want to do, we just want to pray for you. I want to pray that God will put a, a, a raging anointing in you. That you won't, you won't be able to say, well, business as usual. Business as usual is over. Here's what he said. He said, I'm going to shake down everything that can be shaken. So they asked me prophetically. They go, well, where are you at prophetically? Well, he's busy tearing down everything we built that's not him. And we're kicking and screaming on him. But he's going to build him a house where he'll put his glory. Remember, it says the foxes have holes, 
the birds of the air have a nest, but the Son of Man hath nowhere to lay his head. Now, we're not talking about Jesus homeless in Manchester. He won't put his authority in the house we built. So it says wisdom has built her house. And how do we get wisdom? The Holy Fear of God. So the Holy Fear of God is going to come to the people of God. But it will come first through us. As the priest, so the people. A holy. Did you know? There's people now go, well, I'm not afraid of God. I'm more afraid of God than I am the devil. I don't know if there's a mushy-ushy grace message out there you better watch out about. I'll have nothing to do with the grace that does not present a holy God and us wanting to live holy. I want Titus 2 grace, the grace of God that bringeth salvation has appeared unto all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, godly in this present world, looking for that glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus. I want a, I want a grace that presents salvation, sanctification, and expectation. Because some go, oh, you know, we're all covered. No, no, don't worry. The grace of God does not excuse us from our responsibility. It amplifies our responsibility. Hebrews 10 says we can't be despite to the spirit of grace and insult him. You under, I don't know about here, but it's raging in America. This grace that says, oh, you're covered. Just live however you. No, we live loyal. Not legalism, loyalty. Love and loyalty is far greater than legalism. You believe that? Well, you guys and gals are here. Can I just come by and touch you on the head? That, that It wouldn't hurt you. Okay, our, our first church in Brownsboro, Texas, um, called us to be their pastor in 1970. I was pregnant with our son, Sean, that's 42. We'd go there, and our older son was five, uh, Bradley. So anyway, so we go, and we are thrilled, thrilled, thrilled. This little church didn't have any inside plumbing. It had an outhouse, a john, out at the toilet, out at the back of the church, little Baptist Church, Southern Baptist Church, out in the big middle of nowhere. We go there. Uh, we were thrilled. And, oh, Bobby just, I mean, that was just our call. We loved it, loved it. And if you wanted to drink, you had to go out by the road and turn a little water hydrant thing on and bend over and get, get your drink of water. That was before bottled water in the, in the day. We go there. I mean, loved it. Bobby, at that time, was... Uh, payroll clerk at a Trinity River Complex, a division of Lone Star Gas in Tyler, uh, or in Texas. Um, but anyway, he worked at a, place, a plant called NIPAC, and the Lord started dealing with him, and he had worked his way up seniority. He had his office and, and did the payroll for the company, had a Christian boss. But that rocked on for a year or so, and then all of a sudden, his pastor in the church, the Lord started dealing with Bobby about quitting his job and pastoring full-time. And uh, anyway, I did not see how in the world it could happen because our little country church paid us $75 a week. So Bobby goes to a meeting at our church, our home church where we have been saved in Murkison, Texas, and he walked through the door of the church that night. I was home with the uh, children, but had school early, and the Lord told Bobby, you're going to preach here tonight. They were having revival. Well, a guest speaker, a guest speaker Charlie Fringle, Anyway, so Bobby said, I can't preach here tonight. They're having church. And he said, or they're having, you know, their guest speaker. And the preacher got up, and Bobby said he could not say a word. 
And he finally asked, is there anybody here supposed to preach tonight other than myself? And the preacher started crying, and he said the Lord had told him, you know, Brother Thomas McKee, that called Bobby that morning. But tradition, they wouldn't do it. But God did it. Five church members got saved that night. And didn't some people surrender to preach? And it's like revival broke out. That night, I was home. Children in the bed, and I thought, dear Jesus, what is wrong with me? I felt strong conviction, and I thought, am I even saved? And I was just on the couch, and I was just writhing and just, oh, a worm in hot ashes. And I said, Lord, whatever it is, please take this feeling from me. Bobby hit our front door, and he had two preachers with him he, we had never met before, and he looked at me. He said, I'm quitting my job. I don't care what you say. I said, I am ready for you to quit that job. $75 a week, here we go, and have never looked back. Our little country church there in 1970 that called Bobby that I was telling you about, y'all have to look it up, you know, and see what Rock Hill Baptist Church in Brownsboro, Texas is doing these days. But we got to build a new church while we were there the next year or two. With, With Inside Plumbing, yeah. we did. But it was a phenomenal thing. But they have just, with, and our son said, Daddy, you know, we passed by this mega million dollar facility they have just gotten into less than a year because they were already having three services and they had built on and built on. And now they're in their new big humongous church and they're having to do three services. And it's such a blessing to start, you know, is anything too hard for the Lord? Genesis 18, 14. Is there anything too hard for the Lord to do? What's that Absolutely verse? Despise not the days of small, small beginnings. Small beginnings. We've so never small. heard that. Yeah. So listen, you pastors, hey, we pastored for over 25 years and pastors' wives. Hey, y'all are all pastors. But so we know, been there and done that and got a few scars and to, to prove it. But it's in our training that we learn and glean from that. So it's all good. So, But bless you all. We Let's bless y'all, your congregation, in Jesus' name. Why don't y'all extend your hands toward these men and women of God, too, and we'll just come through here and pray for you, okay? Good. Lord, I want to thank you. I'll start right over here. Lord Jesus, I want to thank you for, for Heidi, and I thank you, Lord, for Andy. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for their call and the commission upon their life. Lord, I pray for a wonderful fire to fall in this place. Lord, I want to thank you that you're going to shake up this region. I want to thank you that you'll call people in from the north, south, east, and west. You'll shake this place with a move of God. We thank you, Lord, for tenacity, for not giving up, not cashing in. And so, Lord, keep on stirring, Lord. Let your glory fill this place in Jesus' name. Amen. Good. God bless Amen. your heart. Yes, good. Amen. Good. Here. Lord, I thank you. Put fire in your people. Say fire. fire. Lord, I thank you. Oh, I, I do. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Lord, I thank you. Isn't that something? Thank you, Jesus, for times and purposes, seasons and activities, Lord. We thank you. Lord, I thank you. I thank you for fresh start. Say fresh start. Yeah, I thank you for fresh oil too, Lord Jesus. You're a wonderful God. We delight to serve you. Your callings are wonderful, Lord. Isn't he wonderful? He's wonderful. Isn't this something? Here, put this on your head. That'll be good for you. God bless your heart. God bless you. God bless you. Yeah, that's him. He said that's him that's been talking to you, not your own head. You couldn't even think up those things, you know. Lord, I want to thank you. Thank yes, you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Ears to hear. You get John 10, 3. God bless your heart. Thank you. Thank you. It's okay. Say, stir him up.
Stir him. Yeah, that's right. Stir up, Lord. I want to thank you. I thank you. I thank you, Jesus. Oh, he's a good, good God. You believe that? I do, too. That's in the Bible. He breathed on them. God bless you. Lord, we thank you here. Lord, we thank you. Isn't he a good God? Yes, he is wonderful. He's wonderful. God bless you. Yes. You catch this. Good. He's a good God, and his plans are absolutely wonderful. You believe that? Yeah, I like these guys back here in the back. Somewhere I read the first will be last, the last will be what? Say first. Yeah, give you a small head. Good. See, now this is fun. Don't go to church and not have fun. That's what it says. Psalm 1611, in his presence is fullness of joy. Thank you for fullness of joy. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I believe he's going to turn up joy in your life, don't you? Why, sure. <laughs> yes, sir. Yeah, oh, I can feel that. God bless you. Well, this is fun. Huh? Yeah, that is good. Well, what's your name? Hey, Mike, God bless you. Lord, I thank you for Mike. I thank you, Lord Jesus. I thank you. I pray, Lord, you'll stir the gifts in him. Lord, I thank you. I thank you, God. Ooh, yeah. You believe God will agitate? How does iron get sharp? Iron sharpens iron. So that's what the, there's a sharpening process going on. You, it, it, and it's good. Yep. You can polish stone with agitation. That's right. That's right. Stand up. He'll, he wants to whack you here. God bless you. Here, I'll <laughs> That's okay. God bless you. God bless you. There's still fire in here. Did you? Yeah. This thing God is going to do is going to transcend gender and transcend age. Doesn't matter male or female. It matters about heart hunger. That's what he's after. Hungry hearted people. You know that, don't you? That's right. Well, we got to go. It's kind of late. And I put my order in for some lemon drizzle. Have you ever had lemon drizzle? Oh, he's had it. He said, I'm, I'm in on it. Yeah. You had lemon drizzle? Okay. I don't know if I, I probably have had it, but um, I may have some more. <laughs> if everything works out good. God bless you. Lord, thank you. Let your kingdom come right here. See, there's got to be a day every person in the wheelchair pop out. It says, when Israel left Egypt, there was not one sick or feeble among them. Then Paul picked up his pen in Hebrews and in, in, uh, Corinthians and says, what happened to them was for us. Do you believe that? I do. So, Lord Jesus, I want it to be tonight, don't you? Huh? Good. That's right. I'll tell you what's going to happen to you. You're going to get a dream. You say, I don't dream, you will now. 
you're you're going to get a dream, a good dream, a good dream from God. In the Bible, it says, I spoke to you, spoke to you, but you didn't comprehend it was me. He said, in the night time, James, he's going to speak to you in the night. That's a good thing. Well, all of us can have dreams, but you're going to have one that helps you. Isn't that, and I hope it happens again. It will, I'll, I'll tell you, it will happen. Dreams. What's your name? David, that's in the Bible. What are you doing with yourself, David? What are you doing? little thing they call it a cursor is that right a little thing no listen i'll tell you what god told me he said i'm going to give uh, people witty inventions smart plans that work out and he said i'm going to teach them how to do old things in a new better way so look at that you, you'll find out god will give wisdom on how to do old things in a new better way okay you become very very uh wealthy that way yeah it's true hi can i would you stand here and I'll wave my hand by you? It'll be good for you. You go, what good? What, is this okay with you? Good. Now, here, take this. It's, whoa, yeah. You go, what good does that do? Well, it's refreshing. <laughs> Plus, it stops every voice that's been speaking to her that's not God's voice. It just seals her where she can hear the wonderful voice of God. Yeah. I don't want a God you can't feel. One preacher said, whoa, how can you ask people to, to get involved in something they don't understand? I don't understand electricity, but we're not sitting in the dark till I do, you know. <laughs> you know. <laughs> God bless you. Catch her, that'll be good. See. Well, we got to go whistle late. Oh. Okay. My wife said, ask anybody here if they, if y'all know Mark and Julie Woodward. They live, they live in Dallas now. They used to live in Sheffield for a little while. Is that right? Oh, oh, they have friends in Sheffield. You better, well, no, that's you. Okay. Does anybody know them? There's some people that don't. Go, Alex and, well, go find out. She, listen, she'll walk up to somebody and go, oh, we met y'all in 93. Your daughter was going to the dentist. How did that work out? I'm going, my God, have we ever seen those people? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah she, yeah, that's good. That's her friend, Julie. Uh, well, that's a friend of her friend, Julie's. But anyway, well, we got to go. It's kind of late. What do you do? Did I ask you that? Ask your name. What do you do? Do you? That's a good thing. I'll tell you about him. He pays the best wages. Even when they fuss about it. Remember there was, there was a, a story in the Bible about a guy that got hired at daylight. Then another guy that got hired at dinner. Another guy at noon. And another guy right before quitting time. And they were all paid the same thing. And so a fuss was going on. And Jesus says, go ahead and work in the vineyard. I will do right by you. So he pays the best benefits. Isn't that cool? What's the service in the morning? When is the service? I have no idea. 9.30? Will the cake be done by then? Yeah. No cake. Send it to Dudley. We, okay. That'll be good. That'll be great. And Lord bless you for that. 
just out of the goodness of your heart. No prompting, no pressure, no, no public, you know. Now, what will God do for her about that? Oh, my goodness. If you receive a prophet in the name of a prophet, you get a prophet's reward. Matthew 10, 41. What the heck is that? I'll tell you what a prophet's reward is. Here it is. You won't believe me, but it is. A prophet's reward is the deepest desire of your heart granted by the power of God. 2 Kings 4. The Shunammite woman. I perceive this is a mighty man of God that continues to pass by the house. Remember that? She made a room for him. The prophet asked her, what is it you want? And uh, she wanted a child. And he prophesied about a child. And I'll paraphrase. She said, don't jack me around. You know, don't lie to me. But it was really the truth, wasn't it? Got the baby. Good. God bless you. You're going to see a lot of people get saved in the next few days. It's true. I'm serious about it. That's true. That's right. I tell you what the Lord just said to me. He said, I am going to curse insanity. So I curse insanity and dementia and Alzheimer's in the name of Jesus. I bind that thing in the name of Jesus. I pray over these people right now. You give a sound mind. So maybe you know somebody that's having some really mental trouble. God said he's going to curse insanity. I'll tell you what it's going to be like Mark 5. They're going to find seated, clothed in their right mind. Seated and clothed in their right mind. That's a good thing. That's true. That's good. What do you do? Did I ask you that? A printing firm. That's good. I print a lot of stuff. <laughs> it's going to be all right. A lot of books and stuff like that. Huh. I heard him say, I will if you will. That's what he says. He said, I will if you will. That's what he says. Yeah. You believe that? He will if we will. Yeah. He said, I've set before you blessings and cursings, life and death. Choose life. We're going to find out this whole thing is choice, not chance. Whole thing. It's true. What do you think about a pen of a ready writer? That's a verse in the Bible. I think you ought to write some things down. Okay? You find a, that's what he said. He'll give you the pen of a ready writer. Well, we got to go. It's getting kind of late. I got a verse for you. You want it? It's, it's a verse in the it's 2 Corinthians 5 17. Therefore, if any person's in Christ, there's a brand new creation. Old things have passed away. That's what he wants you to know. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become bright and brand new. Okay? You know it. Hi. God bless you. Give me five. And you. You like the flute? You know what a flute is? I think you'll play flute one day. That would be good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> aren't children wonderful? I, I love how they just boil everything down to the very bottom. One time I had my little grandson in the car seat with me. He's not, he's almost 19 now, but he's just a little toddler in the car seat. And I'm talking to him driving. And he says, Papa, preach. 
you smell like you've eaten something yellow. <laughs> he's going, oh, you need a mint. That's what he's saying, you know. Oh, I got to go. So in the morning at 9, 930, I tell you what I want to talk about in the morning. I want to talk about what Jesus said is signs of the last days. See, they ask him, what will it be like when you come in? What will be the sign of you coming in the sign of the end of the world? To be quite honest, I'm quite shocked that the church is so shocked at what's going on. See, we almost got caught up into this world. The world will get so dark and right before everything's snuffed out, God will carry us on to heaven. You heard Pastor talk about that earlier. He's coming to us before he comes for us. There, listen, get off the bench waiting on the rapture bus <laughs> and get in the vineyard. Yeah, there's going to be a, there'll be a rapture, but I'm telling you, he's come. Here's the verse. It does not yet appear what we shall be like, but we know this, that when he shall appear, we shall see him as he is, and we shall be precisely like him. That's here, not there. We don't need to look like him there. It's here we need to be that representative. Thank you so much for listening. and uh, I, I really mean that. I love you, and I love to see the plans that God has for you. Listen, this city... Hello, it works. Hello. Hello. Here's what I want to say. This city is contended for in the spirit realm, but we're fighting from victory, not for victory. That's right. That's right. When Jesus stretched himself upon the cross, he cried out, It's finished. He didn't say, I'm finished. He used a farming term that said, Everything that needs to be done is totally done. Nothing's left undone that should have been done. I'll tell you what's going to happen. From this night on, right in the middle of the battle, God's going to holler, Time out and throw you a party. Psalms 23, he, he prepares a table before us in the presence of our enemies. That's right. They can stack all the rock they want to. They're not going to be able to bring curses against this place. They can chisel, stack stones as far as they want to. That's not going to hinder the work of God. God says, let the heathen ima imagine a vain thing. And the word vain means empty. So I'm telling you what, uh, Isaiah 54, 17 says, no weapon formed against you works. Here's what it says. Romans 16, 20, the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet. Shortly, shortly is now. The God of peace shall crush Satan under your feet. Have you noticed where the devil is regarding the saints of God always under their feet? You'll trample on serpents and, yes, say it. The devil is under my feet. That's exactly right. Now, here's the deal. He's not afraid of you, but he's scared to death of your elder brother. So the more you become like Jesus, whoo, the more terrified the enemy is. Here's my goal is to become so Christ-like the devil can't tell whether it's Bobby or Jesus. That's it. As he is, so are we in this present world. Well, anyway, so don't worry about that. Well, you know, Bobby, we got a lot of witchcraft against us. Yeah! 
Didn't you read the Bible? It says the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violence sees it by force. Now, not bombs and bullets. That's the other way. Ours is prayer, fasting, holy living. That's the, that's the weapons that are mighty in our arsenal. Do you believe that? God bless your heart. I'll give you a book, and you, you know, you go back there and you get whatever book you want since you've been promising this cake. Just out of the goodness of your heart. Okay? So that's good. There's one back about angels. God said, write a book about angels. He said, write a book about heaven's hosts, the faithful and the fallen. See, we, we need to know about both. The faithful, the good ones, the fallen, the demons. So we write about the names. Angels are mentioned 273 times in the Bible. I'm, you've got an angel that looks just like you. 2014 will be the season we know more about angels than we've known our whole life. God is releasing angels to the body of Christ on a level you've never seen before because we need them. Well, we'll talk about that in the morning. God bless your heart. Thank you, Bobby.